0: Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. Welcome to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host Mark Levine reporting live a safe social distance from Washington DC. Election Day is 46 days away. Kind of hard to believe, isn't it? Here in Virginia, where I am proudly a delegate, a member of the Virginia House of Delegates, we had our very first election day today. Uh, We have changed Virginia, we Democrats in the House of Delegates, from being one of the last states to vote to be one of the first states to allow early voting, and that voting is today. But of course, you can vote any one of some 40 days between now and election day, Um, and we encourage people to go out and do that. It was kind of heartening to see the folks in long lines, knowing they got 45 days to vote, but they're already out there at the polls. I don't know if you saw Joe Biden's town hall last night. I did, and you know what? It was boring. And I loved every minute of it. I can't wait to have once again, a president who's maybe a little boring. Don't get me wrong. He was great. He was empathetic. He clearly cares about people. He clearly knows all the issues and described them in detail to anyone and any everyone who asked. But wouldn't it be nice to go to sleep at night and not worry that your president is out working with Vladimir Putin to take apart our democracy, that he wasn't praising white supremacists, that he wasn't finding out the newest and latest military weapon to use against peaceful American protesters. Wouldn't it be nice to have a president who actually cared about the loss of American lives, actually didn't want Americans to die and cared enough to try to stop it, given that hundreds of thousands have now been killed due to Donald Trump's incompetence. We may even have a third hundred thousand by the time hopefully President Biden raises his right hand and becomes president. Would it be nice to have a president who actually gave a damn? It's fascinating as we watch the election play out into its final days. And of course, there's still more to talk about. We've got four debates coming up, three presidential, one vice presidential. I'll be watching each and every one and giving you my commentary. But it's just fascinating as we watch a president do his best to take apart American democracy. We've just never seen that before. I actually don't think we've seen that in any time in American history before. We've had some pretty awful presidents. I mean, the fact that the United States president would try to shut down or at least dramatically delay the postal service would actually try to stop all mail service in America or slow it down just so you couldn't get your mail-in ballot in? Well, a court today ruled that conduct illegal, said that, you know what, you can't legally shut down the U.S. Postal Service just to disrupt an American election, and so they stopped it, and the U.S. Postal Service will now continue the way it was, at least if people follow the court order. But that's not even the worst of it, and the fact that it's not the worst of it should really really warn us as to what we have to fear, what can come. Maybe the worst of it, although there's a lot and we'll talk about it, was the profound lack of caring that the President of the United States has for the people of the United States. One of the reasons why I've long hated the Electoral College and why I'm working actually in the legislature, the Virginia legislature to get rid of the Electoral College. And by the way, you can too, if you'll contact your state legislator ask them how they feel about the national popular vote. It's already in existence in states totaling 196 electoral votes, including big states like New York, California. We only need 74 more electoral votes to do it. Virginia would give 13. If I get that done, we'd be down to 61 more. And once that happens, we can finally get rid of this archaic, dangerous, undemocratic system once and for all. A system that was originally designed to protect slaveholders and now protects minority parties, like the Republican Party, over the will of the American people. And I don't know, I think in a democracy, the people of the United States should choose the president of the United States. But one of the problems the Electoral College causes, in addition to making sure that, well, the candidates don't campaign in states like California or New York, or for that matter, um, Texas, although maybe Texas we could win this year, but certainly not Indiana, Wyoming, Oklahoma, solid red states as much as solid blue states, is because they only care about the swing states. They're the only people who matter. Your vote, and you should vote, will definitely matter to your member of Congress, will matter to your local and state elected officials, and if I haven't taught you one thing on this show, you should know how important your state elected officials are, particularly this year, because this year the state legislators can redraw the district lines. The Republicans have been gerrymandering state after state after state all decade. Florida, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Michigan, um, you name it, they gerrymandered it. And so by electing Democratic state legislators, you have a chance to reclaim democracy in your home state. And in some states, like mine in Virginia, we're working really hard to make sure that you can never gerrymander again. In fact, the Republicans put a last-ditch effort on our ballot in Virginia to put gerrymandering in the Virginia Constitution and to give Republicans the sole right to gerrymander, even though we Democrats took over the majority. So if you do live in Virginia, please vote no on Amendment 1. It is not reform, it actually is a Republican gerrymandering scheme. So please don't vote for that. But all over the United States, you need to vote for your state legislators so that you can help redraw those district lines, so that you can have fair districts wherever you live. But I digress a little. The reason I brought up the Electoral College is because Donald Trump made an astounding statement yesterday. And I know pretty much everything he says is is pretty astounding. When talking about the deaths of Americans from COVID-19, he said we have to exclude the deaths from the blue states. If you are in a blue state and you die, Donald Trump doesn't give a damn about you. He doesn't consider himself the president of the United States. He considers himself the president of the red states. And that's another huge problem with the Electoral College. If every American had the right to choose the president and not just those in the vaunted swing states, he would care about every American. Now, I know what you're saying. He's a very unusual guy. Joe Biden cares about every American, even those in the reddest of red states. And that's true. And most presidents do. But another reason why we need to get rid of the electoral college is so that we can have a president of a United States. But to be fair to you, red state voters, Donald Trump doesn't care about you either. He just openly says he doesn't care about the people in the blue states. But as we learned from an advisor to Vice President Pence, someone who actually was on the COVID-19 task force, he doesn't care about his red stake voters either. We're gonna be hearing in the next segment from Olivia Troy. Olivia Troy is a solid Republican who wanted to serve her country, who wanted to save American lives, who wanted to serve the Vice President of the United States. No liberal she. And yet she finally had to resign from her post because she decided that she had to put her country above her party. As I said, we're gonna play her clip when we come back, but I want to compare her honesty, bravery, patriotism with that of most Republicans. Have you ever noticed that the strongest voices in the Republican Party- For fairness, are the ones that aren't in office, whether it's former Senator Jeff Flake or former Senator Bob Corker, or may he rest in peace, former Senator John McCain. Other than Mitt Romney, and I give Mitt Romney credit, and listen, I supported Obama against Romney, obviously, in 2012, but I give Romney credit for his honesty and his decency in actively telling Americans the truth about the president. But others? Lindsey Graham has flip-flopped more times than a pancake. He expressly contradicts the things he said in the past. It'll be fascinating as you watch not just the presidential race but the Senate race because the Democrats can take the Senate too. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. We're probably going to lose ruby red Alabama. That means we need four seats. Four seats just to stay even. And then, of course, we have 50-50 and Joe Biden wins. Kamala Harris would cast a deciding vote for the Senate Majority Leader. But it is possible. We're doing well in Arizona, Colorado, North Carolina, and Maine. Those four states alone would do it for us. Um, North Carolina is probably the toughest of those four. But then we have an outside chance in places like Iowa and South Carolina. I do not mean to suggest this is a done deal. None of this is a done deal but that's why it's so important that you get out and vote. We'll be right back with Olivia Troy, right after this. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. Election day. And it really couldn't have come sooner. Um frankly, it could have come three years ago. You know, I do not mean to suggest that this is all over. Um we gotta get out there, we've gotta vote. We've gotta vote like our lives depend on it, because you know what, they do. That may be rhetoric in other years, but given COVID-19 and given the fact that two hundred thousand Americans are dead. And at least 99% of them are solely the fault of the President of the United States. Your life may well depend on your vote. 46 days away until we can finally begin the end of our long national nightmare that hopefully will take place on January 20th. It's fascinating to me how little the race has changed. Again, I'm. I'll be looking forward to debates, I'll be commenting on them, but it still shocks me that a solid 40% of the nation don't mind a lying, scheming, corrupt, traitorous narcissist being President of the United States. And I don't think this is all about Republican values, right? I don't think that uh, whether it's wanting tax cuts for corporations or wanting to control women's reproductive rights, or I don't know, wanting to freely have semi-automatic weaponry available. I don't think there's enough voters there for Trump. I'm not even sure there are enough racists in America to fill that 40%. I have to think some of it is people who just, I don't know, watch Fox News. Don't live in reality. Don't have compassion for others. It's striking to me that because so many in the right don't want to wear a mask. The disease, which was formerly more in blue states, because that's where all the big cities are right, California, New York, but also Texas, Florida, those are our biggest states. That now it's in rural America, in red states, we found that uh, small towns are suffering the most. And yet Republicans in places like Stockbridge, South Dakota, Sturbridge, excuse me, South Dakota, tiny, tiny little town that had 250,000 motorcyclists there. Yep, they're spreading the disease. And Donald Trump himself is spreading the disease. He is hosting indoor rallies and people are sitting cheek by jowl close to each other without masks. Now this killed Herman Cain, former Republican who ran for president. You won't, you know, it's funny when a Republican dies, usually a lot of Republicans talk about him, not Herman Cain. They didn't want to mention that he had died because he attended a Trump rally. Somehow that just didn't fit the president's message. But it's not just that Donald Trump wants re-election. It's that he knows people are going to die, and he just doesn't care. You don't have to take my word. I'm a liberal. You don't take Mark Levine's word for it. You can take the word of Olivia Troy, who worked on the COVID Commission, who is a long, lifelong Republican, who worked for and respected Vice President Pence. Let's hear what she had to say.
1: I'm Olivia Troy. I was Homeland Security and Counterterrorism Advisor to Vice President Pence and served as Vice President Pence's lead staff member on the COVID-19 response. You know, I've been on the COVID task force from day one. I mean, the virus was very unpredictable at the beginning. There were a lot of unknowns. But towards the middle of February, we knew it wasn't a matter of if COVID would become a big pandemic here in the United States. It was a matter of one. But the president didn't want to hear that because his biggest concern was that we were in election year and how is this going to affect what he considered to be his record of success? It was shocking to see the president saying that the virus was a hoax, saying that everything's okay when we know that it's not. The truth is he doesn't actually care about anyone else but himself. He made a statement once that was very striking. I never forgot it because it pretty much defined who he was. When we were in a task force meeting, the president said maybe this COVID thing is a good thing. I don't like shaking hands with people. I don't have to shake hands with these disgusting people. Those disgusting people are the same people that he claims to care about. These are the people still going to his rallies today who have complete faith in who he is. If the president had taken this virus seriously or if he had actually made an effort to tell how serious it was, he would have slowed the virus spread. He would have saved lives. It was the opportunity and honor of a lifetime to be able to serve in the White House. I put my heart and soul into this role every single day. But at some point I would come home at night, I would look myself in the mirror and say, Are you really making a difference? Does it matter? Because no matter how hard you work and what you do, the president is gonna do something that is detrimental to keeping an American safe, which is why you signed up for this role. It was awful. It was it was terrifying. I have been a Republican for my entire life. I am a McCain Republican, I am a Bush Republican, and I am voting for Joe Biden because I truly believe we are at a a time of constitutional crisis. At this point, it's country over party.
0: Country over party. You would think most of us would put our country over our party. You'd think most of us would care about our fellow citizens' lives. Olivia Troy makes clear that the President of the United States does not. It's fascinating that Trump calls his most fervent supporters disgusting. I remember when Hillary Clinton referred to the racist Trump supporters as deplorable. Remember that? Unlike Trump, she wasn't criticizing her own supporters. She was criticizing his and she was only criticizing that subset that were racist she said the racists were deplorable but there are many that weren't racist as well supporting him her statement got all mangled you may remember it until every trump supporter who was a proud racist proudly declared themselves deplorable as well will they now call themselves disgusting after all that's what their guy thinks of them how did it come that A greedy New York real estate magnate who actually inherited his wealth and then promptly lost most of it how did it come that I don't know whether he's a millionaire or a billionaire but this very very rich person who made money precisely from cheating ordinary people how did he become the king of the people he calls disgusting the struggling Mostly white, mostly non college educated, mostly working people struggling to survive, mostly rural white men, particularly the elderly. How did he become their champion? Is it only racism and hatred of immigrants? Or is it folks who feel that, well, the world around them is declining and define declining not only as their economic well being but the fact that those other people, those non-white people, those people who live in the cities are succeeding. How do we become such a country of hate? Remember, Trump supporters, Hillary Clinton said if you're racist, you're deplorable. But Donald Trump thinks you're all disgusting. I don't. I believe in redemption. We'll be right back, right after this.
1: He's a Bible-quoting, constitution-loving, flag-waving, red-blooded, liberal American. He's Mark Levine.
0: Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Welcome back to the Insights Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. And that is right. We now have phone messages. Uh, We haven't had them really since COVID began. Uh, But now that we've worked out uh, as I'm doing this in in my own home, you can call in at 888-488-MARK, 888-488-6275 and comment on anything I'm saying today. Feel free to do just that. Um, There is a lot in the news. One of the things that's interesting about COVID is that the president of the United States is now contravening his own employees, right? So when the scientists, the CDC or the... Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, the Centers for Disease Control, the Food and Drug Administration comes out with something. Um, Donald Trump just says, no, no, he knows more. He knows more than the scientists. The scientists are confused. So when the head of the CDC says, yeah, we're not going to have a vaccine readily available to you and me until 2021, likely the second or third quarter, meaning sometime between April and September of next year. We got a whole nother year of this, folks. Donald Trump knows that mm, that's not likely to win him re-election, particularly given that the rest of the world has got this figured out. That's also something for us to contemplate because it's not just France and Germany and Canada that have it figured out. and. It, and South Korea and New Zealand and all those countries that we kind of at this point know have competent governments. It's even third world countries. We're in the lowest 10 countries on the planet in terms of COVID per capita and in terms of death per capita. Why are we so bad at this? Well, because, you know why, the president still doesn't have enough tests out there. It's still hard to get a test. It still takes too long for tests to come back. If you get a test and it comes back seven days from now, first of all, you're probably going to wait a week or two till you feel sick. Then your test comes seven days from now. Then I guess you quarantine. But by then you're already halfway through the course of the disease. The whole point of early testing is to do it quickly and accurately so that when you do test, you can find someone quarantine them and you can trace who they're with. That's why South Korea, which had their first case on the same day we had our first case in January, has had 200, 300 deaths, not 200,000 deaths. Canada is down to a few cases a day. Canada, right? That's hardly a foreign country. I mean, it is a foreign country, but it's, it's not like it's on the other side of the globe. Canada, a few cases a day. The United States, more than 1,000 deaths a day. That's a problem. And when the president declines to trust his own people, it's a bigger problem. And now we know from Bob Woodward and from Donald Trump's own words that it's a lie when he says he doesn't trust them. He knows they're telling the truth. He knows this is very dangerous, but he purposely plays it down. He plays it down because he doesn't want it to hurt his reelection prospects. He plays it down, he says, because the American people are not courageous enough, strong enough to handle problematic truths. Had he been George Bush, he would not have told us about September 11th. He would have let the terrorists burn down and not warn anyone in them because he'd be afraid they would panic. Presumably he wouldn't have mentioned Pearl Harbor either. There's so many things that are problematic. And as we watch our country descend into dictatorship, it's a good thing we're having an election right now. Did you hear about the heat ray? That's right. The president of the United States that sent troops To shoot tear gas and lethal rubber bullets. I realize they're less lethal than actual bullets, but they're still lethal. They still kill. They also put people's eyes out and blind them. He ruthlessly attacked innocent, peaceful American protesters exercising their First Amendment rights. But he wanted something more lethal. Not only did he want to use tear gas, which is banned by the Geneva Convention since World War I, he wanted to use something called a heat ray. Basically, what a heat ray does is it microwaves Americans. Kind of like sticking your head in the microwave. It makes you feel like your skin is on fire. It burns you evenly so it doesn't leave scars. Now, this particular heat ray was considered for use by American troops and then decide they decided against it. It seems that it was too cruel, unusual and uncontrollable a weapon to use for our worst enemies. So Donald Trump tried to use it for peaceful American citizens. Luckily, the military turned him down. You know, This could be like a bad Superman movie, right? The villain wants to use a heat ray to stop peaceful protesters, but it's not, it's our country. I'm sure Vladimir Putin can't wait to get his hands on it. In fact, for all I know, Donald Trump probably gave him the secrets to it, just like we know he gave other secrets to the Russian dictator. We still don't know which ones. We do know he's enthralled to them, though, because the bipartisan Senate Intelligence Committee said so, said that he's being blackmailed by the Russians, said that he's colluding with the Russians. Remember when they used to say no collusion? Now the fact that there is collusion and it's not even news. And then yesterday, I compare the chaos, the monstrosity, the horror that the death of Trumplandia with good old Uncle Joe Biden. Listening to people describe how COVID killed their loved ones. Listening with 100% co- concentration, with an ache in his heart. Yeah, you know, Joe Biden is not the best speaker America has. He tripped over his words a few times. We all know he stuttered as a kid. In fact, no one more beautifully explained that than the 13-year-old who stuttered as he explained his own disability. But Joe Biden has a lot of heart and a lot of mind. He carefully explained all of his policies, but mostly he just was compassionate. The irony is that the traits that Joe Biden showed, I mean, he's got his policy chops and he certainly knew all the answers. But the thing that I found most overwhelming was a president acting like a human being. I mean, it was to hear him listen and respond with empathy. At one point, I almost cried. And yet, that's the standard we have right now. Just to have a president who cares about the people he seeks to lead who cares more about the American people than he does about the trappings of power, that wants to go into government to write good laws and to serve the people rather than get rich, that actually cares more about our democracies around the globe than the dictatorships who could put his name on buildings. I know it's a low standard. And I know Joe Biden more than meets that low standard, as does Kamala Harris, but. Isn't it shocking that we've fallen so far? Isn't it shocking that it took the killing of 200,000 innocent Americans, likely 100,000 more to go, before some folks waked up to the fact that Donald Trump never gave a damn about anyone other than himself ever? It should be obvious. In fact, there's a new sexual assault allegation just coming out. but. a uh, a woman tennis player in England and the fact that I've lost count I don't remember is it 23, 24 women that say he he assaulted them this one she said he grabbed her and forcibly kissed her on the mouth hard again as she struggled to get away that's nothing these days I'm curious what will happen Once President Biden is hopefully, praise be to God, elected. I wonder what will happen to the former Republicans. I expect, I hope that a year from now, if Joe Biden is elected, they'll say, yeah, no, I didn't really like Trump all that much anymore. Anyway, I I didn't really trust him. But please remember, they're not saying that now. If you heard Mike Lane on my show last week, you know how deluded some of these folks are, and frankly, how much they're trying to confuse you. So don't let it happen. We'll be right back right after this. He's a Fulbright Scholar and he speaks French, but he couldn't tell
1: you who won the Super Bowl. It's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at
0: 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. So what will be Donald Trump's re-election strategy? What's he running on? What's he so proud of? I would have thought, I don't know, four years ago that he'd be proud of this new wall that he built and had Mexico pay for. That was his main campaign plank in 2016. Of course, Mexico didn't pay for a wall and he didn't build much of one either. Um, I think they built about four or five miles, most of it illegally because he stole the money that was planned for the military in ways that are completely unconstitutional and so it will probably be torn down anyway. But hey, he could talk about it five miles down, 2,000 to go. Now, it seems that Donald Trump is running on one topic, and that is race. Donald Trump is running on the grounds that America is a racist country and you should support him if you're a racist. Now, he doesn't put it quite that way. Indeed, the Republican National Convention was full of every single black supporter he has. All 20 of them in America were invited to speak there. I don't think they comprise 1% of uh, the vote. Maybe they do. But despite the tiny amount of black support he has, Donald Trump has basically said Run, white America. Fear. Draw your guns on the black people. He brought out that disgusting couple from Missouri that had peaceful protesters go past their yard on the sidewalk, came out with their automatic guns, their assault weapons, and are properly being charged for that crime. Yet that's the name of a Republican hero these days. Someone who pulls a gun on someone peaceful. After all, it, Donald Trump ordered the military to or the National Guard to shoot peaceful protesters. He praises people who go after Black Lives Matter, peaceful protesters. And, well, just recently in Kenosha, Wisconsin, praised a 17 year old white boy who illegally carried his ar-15 across state lines to join a to fight back i guess against a black lives matter protest you'll recall he shot two people dead and was praised by republicans that's their mantra that's what they want they want a country where we're fighting in the streets with each other Kellyanne Conway, in fact, said that the rioting and the looting, and there really wasn't much of it, uh, a tiny percentage, far less than 5% of protests have ended in any kind of violence. She called that good, good for Donald Trump. The disorder helps him. Look, Joe Biden, of course, like any reasonable sane person says violence is wrong. No one should be burning anything, and no one should be shooting anyone. Kind of seems obvious. Only in Donald Trump's America are the white supremacists who shoot just fine. And for all the stuff we've heard on Fox News about Antifa, I tell you something. I've never in all my years of existence met a single person from Antifa, and I've attended dozens of protests. Heck, I've led quite a few. Never met one. I don't know who they are. I'm sure a few of them exist somewhere. I'll tell you whom I have met. White supremacists. A lot of them. Carrying guns. Indeed, right wing white supremacists are the largest domestic terrorist group in the United States. This is important. They're larger than radical Islamic terrorists. They're way larger than Antifa. And by the way, Antifa doesn't even seem to kill anybody. I don't if a single person killed by Antifa. I don't know. If there were one, it'd be on Fox News. So maybe there's one. Unlike the right wing domestic terrorists that kill people on a regular basis. Wouldn't it be great to have a president who actually condemns all violence? But it's more than that. It's not just that Donald Trump is promoting white supremacy. It's not just that he's supporting violence is that he's actively trying to keep Americans from talking about race. Just recently, he's working to take the what's called the 1619 Project, which is when uh, enslaved people first came to the United States. He's working to keep Americans from talking about slavery. What do you think about that? Uh, Slavery is America's original sin that and our genocide of Native Americans are the two greatest crimes ever committed on American soil. And he doesn't want us to talk about it. And the reason he just doesn't want us to talk about it is because, well, his supporters are done. They're tired of it. They know, maybe they don't know here, but they know here in their heart. Maybe they don't know in their brains, but they know that they and their ancestors used enslaved black labor, profited from it, and are wealthy today and have much more money and education and savings than most black Americans precisely because of slavery. They don't want to hear it. No one wants to hear that they had all the advantages in life while other people didn't. They don't want to know about white privilege. Now, to be fair, most Americans are okay with that. America's come a long way. We've come a long way from the 60s. We've come a long way from 2014, 2015. I remember when Colin Kaepernick took a knee to protest the violence of police against African Americans and was condemned widely for it. Not by me. I defended him. I thought he was doing the right thing. But now most Americans actually think that's the right thing to do. Most Americans support Black Lives Matters protests. Most Americans, white and black, now believe that Black Lives Matter. And I'm proud to say that in Virginia, we're actively pursuing police reform. And that's a pretty big deal. So Donald Trump is making his last stand on racism. On racism and people who want to carry their guns and shoot people at rallies. I don't think he's going to win. Do I think he'll try to cheat? Of course, he said he's going to try to cheat. He's welcoming Russian influence. He's actively trying to keep members of the Homeland Security Department from telling you about Russian influence. No doubt he's colluding with them again. No doubt after Joe Biden wins the election, and and I pray to God he will, the polls say he will, no doubt Trump will declare victory and claim the election is rigged. And I do, I sincerely fear violence in the streets if he does. But one of the things I think that is good, it's hard to find anything good. One of the things that I think is good about Trumpism is if we beat it in a landslide, think of all the things we're rejecting. We'll be rejecting once and for all racism. America will have voted in a landslide if we vote for Biden and Harris against racism, voting against attacks on immigrants who after all have always been the lifeblood of this nation. We could take a stand for democracy, for oversight, for checks and balances, for the right of Congress to oversee what the president does, for the right to vote. There's nothing that Republicans hate more than the right to vote. That's why they're upholding poll taxes in Florida. Even though it's against the United States Constitution, the 24th Amendment, Republicans insist that poor and black people, that ex-felons, pay in order to vote. And that's being upheld by Trump's Republican judges. That's another reason why we've got to get rid of him. We've got to get rid of some of these judges who are putting their partisan beliefs ahead of the Constitution of the United States. A vote for Biden and Harris would be a vote to bring back decency. To bring back a president that cares about Republicans and Democrats. I know it seems unfair. Trump only cares about Republicans. I guess to, you know, we should invite someone who only cares about Democrats, but we don't because I don't know any Democrats like that. Every Democrat I know from Bernie Sanders and AOC to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to, heck, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, who's far more conservative than I am, believes in serving the entire public. By the end of the day, Donald Trump doesn't even care about Republicans. You heard it from Olivia Troy. He finds his own supporters disgusting. He just wants a chance to play golf, to rip off the American taxpayer, to do whatever Putin says, because Putin has blackmail on him, and to steal as much as he can. I get Donald Trump's motivations. To this day, though, I'm mystified by an entire party that wants to help this childish, narcissistic tantrum thrower who doesn't give a damn for the people of the United States. Get out and vote, y'all. This is Mark Levine signing off.